Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. So think about this past year, I realized that a lot can happen in one year for good or bad. Think about where you were one year ago. About a year ago, I was talking to you for the first time, interacting and interviewing with you about the possibility of coming here. A year ago, we were going through the court process in Jamaica to adopt our son, Daniel. And there's a variety of other things that were going on one year ago. But now here we are one year later and our world has been turned upside down. We've moved here. Uh, we've adopted our son, Daniel. We live on a farm. <laughs> I mean, a lot can happen in one year. What's happened to you over the last year? Some of it's been good. Some of it's been not so good. And there's been a lot of details in between. Where will you be a year from now? Where will you be six months from now? If that's even too long, where will you be three months from now? Where will you be one month from now? As you think about your future, what you need to make a variety of decisions to get where you want to be a year from now, six months from now, three months from now, one month from now, is something called wisdom. Because you're gonna make a lot of decisions, whether they're relational or financial or circumstantial, a lot of decisions will be made, I guarantee you, that will put you where you're going to be a month, three months, six months, one year from now, and you need wisdom. There is this preacher out of the Atlanta area who wrote a book, and the book is called The Best Question Ever, A Revolutionary Approach to Decision-Making. And the gist of the book is that we make decisions all the time. We make professional decisions, relational decisions, family decisions, financial decisions, and too many times when making these decisions, we end up asking the question, is there anything wrong with it? And then if we don't find anything wrong with it morally, legally, or biblically, then we go for it. Did you know that you can make a moral decision and you can still be off in that decision? That you can make a decision that keeps all the rules but are still the wrong decisions? He said that the best question is not, is there anything wrong with it? But the question we need to be asking as we're making these decisions in life is this question. Is it wise? Start letting that loop in your mind and in your heart as you start to proceed to make decisions in life. Is it wise what I'm about to do? Because you can make decisions that are moral and that keep the rules and not be wise. Let me tell you how I've seen this play out over the past 20 plus years. I've been ministering to college students, people that are in their 20s, and a lot of them are, are dating. And this is what happens all the time, okay? 
A guy and a girl are dating. And for some reason, they end up at one another's apartment late at night to study or whatever. They're doing homework. Now, here's the question. Is it illegal for them to be home alone late at night? No, nothing illegal about it. Is it uh, immoral? Well, not necessarily. They're just studying. But the question is, is it wise? And as I've interacted with college students and 20-somethings over the last 20 years, we see that a lot of the sin they fall into is not because they set out to be impure, but because they were unwise in getting there in the first place. Think about yourself. You need wisdom in your giving, specifically in your giving to the poor. You can think about driving along and someone wanting to hand out and you hand them cash, you hand them change, you hand them money out your window. Or you can think about the different things that you may support that supports the poor. And a lot of that is good, right, in your mind. A lot of it is moral. There's nothing unbiblical about that. But the question you need to ask yourself, is it wise? Did you know a lot of the things that we can be doing to help the poor locally and around the world can make us feel good, but may not be the best thing for them? Did you know that sometimes your helping could actually hurt? So as you think about your giving, ask yourself the question, what is the best, wisest way where this money is going to help this person or this organization? Is it wise? Not just is it moral or is there anything wrong with it? Now think about your own spending. As you go out shopping during the week and on the weekend or before you're gonna make a big purchase, is there anything immoral about your big purchase? Probably not. Is there anything that is wrong with your big purchase? Probably not. But the question is, before you buy something big and small, ask the question, is it wise? Do I really need this? Will this benefit me spiritually and emotionally? Is it wise? You see what I'm saying? And I want us all to be asking these questions. Is it wise? Teen Challenge has been with us for the past three or four months, and I'm gonna miss you guys. I really have enjoyed having you here on Sunday morning. Apparently, this is your last Sunday, and I'm bummed about that, but I'm glad that you've been with us. And if I could leave you with anything, this is what I wanna leave everybody else here, is the question I want you to ask is, is it wise? Is it wise? Because there is no way that you're going to finish the program and you're going to say, I just can't wait to go back to addiction. Not a single one of you is going to say that. But I guarantee you, if you're not careful, you'll make decision upon decision upon decision that may put you right back in that spot. So ask the question, is it wise? Is it wise to hang out with these people? Is it wise to go to this certain place? Is it wise? Because none of us sets out to do foolish things, but we end up ending at the same spots we don't want to be because the decisions that we're making are unwise before we get there. So let the question ring in our heads and our hearts, is it wise? And this wisdom comes from God. And it's this wisdom we're going to look at this morning as we're in the book of Proverbs. We've never been in the book of Proverbs together, have we? We're in Proverbs chapter 1 this morning. We just finished the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be heading toward Easter next week, and I just thought, I have a free Sunday. And on this free Sunday, I want to talk to you about wisdom, wisdom that comes from God alone, wisdom that we need to navigate this life and all of our decisions. And then we're going to see it in Proverbs chapter 1. 
As we look at Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7, it may seem like it all runs together. And I think a little structure of these first seven verses may be helpful. Many break it down like this. Title, goal, motto. Title, verse 1, and the goal, verses 2 through 6, and motto in verse 7. So let's start with the title in verse 1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Before we go any further, we need to think, okay, what are Proverbs? Now, if a lot of you are on social media and on Twitter, I would say, well, it's, the tweet, it's like a tweet on a reality, but that probably makes no sense to you. So let me explain it another way. Proverbs are like these little short, pithy statements that pack a punch and are extremely revealing. Let me say it again. The Proverbs are short, pithy statements that pack a punch and are extremely revealing. The imagery in the Proverbs is is very striking at times, like Proverbs 26.11. Proverbs 26.11 says, like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. We have four dogs on our farm, and we see this way too much. And when our dogs do this, I explain to my kids, you see that. Don't do that. That's what Proverbs does. It it wakes us up. And we are also told in this opening verse that the, the primary author of Proverbs is King Solomon. One night in a dream, the Lord appeared to King Solomon and said, what what, what do you want? Ask me whatever you want, I'll give you whatever you want. Now, instead of asking for riches or instead of asking for his enemies to be conquered, King Solomon asked for wisdom. Now, why in the world would Solomon ask for wisdom? He had the law of God. Isn't the law of God enough to navigate what we face in life? Why in the world would he ask for wisdom? Well, the reason why he asked for wisdom is because the rules don't always cover the vast amount of decisions you have to make in life. Some decisions in your life are going to be moral whatever you choose. But even when the rules come into play, you still need wisdom. Some of you can know the Bible inside and outside, but you're not wise at all. You need the word of God combined with the wisdom from God and the power of the Holy Spirit to navigate this life. You need wisdom. Well, now let's look at the goal. So that's the title, look at the goal. We'll flesh this out a bit, starting in verse 2. Verse 2 says, To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. The goal of the Proverbs of Solomon are so that you, see it there? So that you would know wisdom and instruction. We talk about wisdom a lot, but what is, what is wisdom? I'm going to give you a, a brief working definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the God-given competence to navigate through the details of life for the glory of God. Wisdom is the God-given competence to navigate through the details of life for the glory of God. 
I have even created hand motions to go along with this definition. Wisdom comes from God. He gives it to us so that we can navigate life so that in turn we bring glory to God. Are you with me? I have this hand motion copyrighted, but I'll allow you to do it. Try it with me. Try it. Wisdom is this God-given competence to navigate through the details of life for the glory of God. You get that? You see that? Wisdom comes from God. We live it out here in order to bring glory to God. It's this navigation of the wisdom that he gives us. And also notice in verse 2, connected with wisdom is instruction. Instruction involves correction, reproof, uh, discipline, and training. Did you know that we grow through the correction and instruction from mentors, from peers, from parents, and we really grow from the correction and instruction of the Word of God? And the idea is that we submit to instruction of others, instruction of the Word, we grow in wisdom. But here's the problem with that great theory. Some of us are not teachable. Just moved here from Chicago. Half of our church is from Northwestern University, made up of students, grad students, professors, brilliant people. Some of the smartest people in the world would be in that area. And yet, at times, I would interact with brilliant people that acted so dumb. Because they were not teachable from the word of God, from the instruction of the church to make changes in their life that would bring glory to God. My brothers and sisters, we are never gonna grow unless we're teachable. You have to have this disposition that says, okay, I'm ready to be challenged from the word. I'm ready to know what God's word says, what God's people wanna speak into my life that can challenge your normal behaviors and your thinking patterns and motives because if you're not teachable, you will never grow. I don't care how old you are, you never get to a point where you wanna get to be not teachable. You wanna continue to grow. And one of the areas you want to grow in is godliness or what we would call ethical behavior. Look at verse three. Verse three says to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. As one receives wisdom and instruction in the Proverbs, it's often about ethical living. And this ethical knowledge is manifested in your community through ethical behavior. But it's more than just your personal holiness. Notice in the verse again, in verse three, where it talks about righteousness and justice and equity. So it's not just about us living righteously, but we also wanna seek justice and equity where it is lacking in our culture. Wisdom will give you the ability to be an activist in the sanctified sense of the word where you're bringing the spoken gospel along with concrete works of intervention. It will enable you to pinpoint injustices of society and bring the right amount justice and equity, and this kind of wisdom is needed to address the orphan crisis, destitute widows, trafficked women, trafficked children, 
right to life issues and the oppressed in a variety of situations, whether it be the poor or injustices you see around in our culture. My daughter knew I was gonna preach on wisdom this morning and she's from college and we're always talking about how she's in college slash seminary that a lot of times there's a lot of discussion, theoretical discussion and there's very little action. She sent me a, a, a little quote that says, the wise person in the Bible was very practical, not merely, merely theoretical. I'm gonna read that again. The wise person in the Bible was very practical, not merely theoretical. And our culture is very big on theory. In fact, our culture, and we can be so guilty in the church, is that we're big on something called virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. You may have never heard that phrase before, but I guarantee that some, some of you, day in and day out, are all about virtue signaling. The younger generation especially, because it happens on social media. It happens on Facebook, where we become passionate about an issue or some cause, and we want the world to know that we care about it, how passionate we are. We're signaling to the world how virtuous we are. But we're not gonna do anything about it. Have any friends like that on Facebook? They're just throwing stuff out there all the time about all the injustice, all how they care and all the concern. But you know they're not doing anything about it. They're virtue signaling. But as a church, we don't want to be about virtue signaling. We want to be about virtue doing, where we want to do things that address injustices. We want to do things that help the oppressed. We don't want to just go, in a sense, buy a T-shirt and show the world how impressive we are because we wear, whether it's right-to-life T-shirts or orphan T-shirts, and say, don't I have a great T-shirt, and yet I'm doing nothing about it? We are not just those who signal, we're those who obey the word of God in practical action. Keep going, verse four. Verse four says, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. Now, a prime target of this book is the young man who is classified as the youth or the simple as an explanation for the immaturity and lack of experience, this is the person that you would call um, naive or simple. And they need wisdom and prudence, but I would say that, that all of us, from time to time, often fall into this category of the simple or the naive, where we need wisdom. Because I tell you what, it's okay to admit that you're naive, because you'd rather be naive than the fool, right? So the naive is saying, I just don't know. I need wisdom how to live life. But the fool is not teachable. It reminds me, the naive, of a, of a few years ago. I don't know if any of you watch football. You may or may not. But a few years ago, the NFL refs went on strike. And so they brought in these replacement refs from high school and college to ref the fast-paced NFL. Remember that time, the, fa the past face, and everybody was complaining about it, and it all came to a head one night on a Monday night game, and the game was between Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers, and the very end, there was a pass in the end zone that 
two players were fighting over it, and if one team intercepted the ball, they would win, but if the other team caught the ball for a touchdown, they would win, and so here are two refs standing over the scene, and they're just staring at the scene, and they're hesitating, they're pausing, they're pausing, realizing that whatever they call is gonna determine the outcome of the game, and then simultaneously, just at the same time, one ref indicated touchdown while the other ref indicated interception. It was awesome. (laughs) Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports, this is what he said, this is what he said. He said the replacement refs aren't trying to mess things up. In fact, they appeared so petrified at messing things up that they overcompensate and mess it up even more. Does that sound like your life? You don't wanna mess things up. And sometimes you overcompensate and you mess it up even more. And and many of us could be like the replacement refs where we keep making decisions that mess up our lives and the lives of others. And what we need is to say, okay, we just don't know a lot of things. And God, we need your wisdom. Did you know the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who will give you wisdom? So if you're lacking wisdom in a lot of circumstances with your adult children, with your friends, some decisions you have to make, you can say, God, I am naive, I am simple, I don't know what to do, please give me wisdom. That's the disposition you wanna have. And it's not just something for the youth, but it's for all of us, for all of life. Look at verses five and six. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Those who are mature in the Lord still need to hear and increase in learning. Did you, did you see that there? Increase in learning. You're, you're never gonna get to a part in your life where you're capped off in your learning about the Lord and his ways. You'll continue to need wisdom. There will be no ceiling to your growth in God's wisdom and seeking his face. You'll never get to a point where you'll wake up one day and say, God, I no longer need your guidance because each day you need the wisdom of God. I once read a really good book. It's called The Third Third of Life, Preparing for Your Future. The Third Third of Life. And it's talking about those retirement years. And the basically is saying, in the retirement years, life is not over. Do not believe the lies, if you've ever heard that before, because God is still moving in your life. God still has a plan for you during this third third of life where he wants you to acquire his wisdom, live it out here, and bring glory to him. We always want to be learning and teachable and growing in his word and growing in his wisdom. And that brings us to the last verse, the motto of the book. Many of you have memorized this verse. It's really good. Verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's been a lot of discussion on what does it mean to fear God? Well, fear is just a combination of fear and faith. Let me show you how this works. 
Fear and faith are combined in your relationship with God when you realize that he is God and you are not. Always a good starting point. God is God and you are not. And when you fear him, you acknowledge that reality, that he knows what's best. In fact, he can communicate to you something from his word that may contradict your heart. And fearing him says, God, you're God, I'm not, and by faith, I'll trust you. So fear of God, right? Combination of fear and faith. Now take it to Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is greater than Solomon. And as he walked this earth, some in his presence experienced this combination of fear and faith. Think about Peter. Remember, Jesus is in the boat with him, right? And he says, I'll cast your nets over here and, and get this great catch of fish. Peter's like, we haven't caught anything. He casts his nets. He pulls up all this fish. And what, is, what, what does Peter say? He doesn't say, well, thank you, Jesus. That was great. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter realizes that in the presence of Jesus, there's something about Christ, God incarnate. And Peter felt his sinfulness. And that is our relationship with God. We come into a relationship with God, we realize he's God, I'm not. He's perfect, I'm not. And it's not about me being good, trying to get to him. It's about me acknowledging my sinfulness and that I need a savior to get me to the Father. And that's where that combination of fear and faith goes, where you say, okay, wrath of God is aimed at me. However, I can see the wrath of God aimed at another in my place, Jesus Christ. And through faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, I now get righteousness and forgiveness and can walk with the Lord with fear and faith. I can walk with the Lord on a daily basis and I can look to the one greater than Solomon. I can look to the one Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the wisdom of God. Again, I can find forgiveness and grace and discernment to face the future. So think about Think about this last year. How was it? Think about your future a year from now. Where are you going to be? Six months, three months, one month. Where are you going to be? I'd love to take this question and let you just put it in your heart and ask it over and over again. Is it wise? With the decisions that you have to make over the next year, over the next few months, over the next few weeks, Ask the question, is it wise? So I'm going to do a little, something a little bold here. I'm going to project your next year. I'm going to go ahead and prophesy over you, sort of. I want you to tell me in your head, where do you want to be a year from now? Maybe in one year from now, six months from now, three months from now, one month from now, I hope that you're saying, I want to walk closer with the Lord. Maybe a few of you. Like, uh, uh, that's, let me just say this. That's not just going to happen. Just because you make a decision this morning and say, a year from now, I want to walk closer to the Lord, not just going to happen. You have to do something called reverse engineering your life. You ever heard that phrase before? You find out where you want to end up, and then you work backwards and think about how you're going to get there. 
Reverse engineer your life. You think, a year from now, I want to be walking closer to the Lord. What do I need to do to get there? Well, you need to be around people. Be in a small group, go to Sunday school, get in the Word. You need to daily walk with the Lord, daily asking for wisdom. And you may find yourself a year from now walking closer with the Lord because you reverse engineered and you made wise decisions to get there. Now let me speak to the parents in here. Now for those of you who have young kids, let's say you want your kids to walk closer with Jesus or to know Jesus. Or even if you have a, a, adult children who have strayed or your relationship is difficult, well, maybe you need to think about, okay, if that's your desire a year from now to have your child in your home, maybe, or an adult child, and you want them to know the Lord or to walk close to the Lord, what are you going to do over this next year that maybe you have not been doing? I mean, for me, i got kids all in my home. It's like, am I going to give them the word? Am I going to pray for them? Or am I just going to do my own thing and just watch TV and ignore them? And for those of you with adult children, you have strained relationships, I know you can't push and you can't control things, but there is a lot of praying that you can do. And if you're honest, maybe you've been slacking off this past year in prayer and you want to see them in a different place where they are a year from now, well, maybe you can pray them to that spot over this next year. And lastly, I want to speak to myself and to the rest of us who end up virtue signaling more than we would like and ask you the question, is there something you want to do for the kingdom of God over this next year? An impact that you want to have, maybe it's through giving or investing your time and your prayers. Like, you want to have a kingdom impact. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.